Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. I would love to hear from you. So if you're a regular listener of the show and this uh, podcast has in some way really helped you grow in your faith or just encourages you in your walk with God, man, I would love to hear from you. Reach out to me. You can send me an email or you can message me through Instagram or Facebook and just let me know. Give me a sentence or two of how this show has benefited you, helped you in your walk with God so that I can share that with others and encourage them in their faith and their walk with God as well. All right, I'm super excited about today's show. We're going to talk about a topic in this series of resocializing that is absolutely critical for uh, really our own spiritual health and well-being and for the church being the kind of place that God uh, dreamed it to be. So without further ado, let's jump on into it. taking time to explore and to wrestle with some of the key features of what it means to be God's people and to live the way God called us to live. We've packaged that under this series title of re-socializing, by which we mean when we come into God's family or God's kingdom, we now are part of his family and we have to learn a new culture, a new way of life, and thus we are being re-socialized to a whole different way of doing things. It's it's the same thing that happens, say, when you change jobs and you move into a new company. That company has a new culture, a new way of operating, a new way of doing things, right? Well, the same thing has happened for us when we have moved into the, the kingdom of Jesus, the new family of Jesus, that he has a new way of doing things. And so we've been exploring some of the key components of those new ways of doing things. They just show up all over the place in the New Testament letters. And in this episode, we want to look at really a, a key, a distinctive part of the culture of Jesus' family. And to set that up, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been hurt by somebody? Have you ever been wronged by someone, right? Like they did something and they wounded you, they hurt you. It, it was mean-spirited. It just it cut to the quick, right? Like you were wronged by them in some way and it hurt you. Well, as part of Jesus's family, how does he want you to respond to that? And on this episode, I, I want to talk about that idea, how he wants us to respond, because it's one of the most distinctive aspects of the culture of Jesus' family. It is incredibly unique anywhere, any place uh, throughout the world in human society. So this is so important to us. And I want to begin by looking at a text out of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, 1 through 17, is really a key re-socializing text in the New Testament letters. In fact, it's so important, it's so beneficial to us that I would encourage you to memorize it. Just take some time to memorize Colossians 3, 1 through 17. There is just so much in there. And after an initial setup in the first handful of verses, what Paul does in Colossians 3 is he gives what scholars call a vice list, a vice list, meaning a list of the kinds of traits and behaviors 
that aren't fitting in Jesus' family. The kinds of things that we need to set aside. They are vices. They are wrong behaviors, wrong deeds. They're just not the way we're going to do life in Jesus' kingdom, in Jesus' family. And so we need to set those aside. So Paul starts with that in Colossians 3. And then coming out of that, that leads to a virtue list. So vice and virtue, right? And a virtue list, just like a vice list, here we have a list of the kinds of things that are fitting, the, the kinds of things that really describe, here's the way of life uh, within Jesus' family. Here's the way we're supposed to do life. And so let me read you at least the first little bit of this virtue list from Colossians 3. We're going to pick up in Colossians 3 verse 12. It says this, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Notice that we're listing off virtues. We're listing off. These are the kinds of behaviors that are supposed to characterize the relationships and life together within Jesus' new family. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He says, in verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, as the Lord forgave you, so also should you forgive each other. And that's the one I want to focus on today. Forgiveness, forgiving each other. But notice again how this is set up. He begins this virtue list with, as those chosen of God, holy and beloved. In other words, God has already made you part of his family. He's chosen you and brought you into his family, and you belong to him. You're holy, set apart for God. You belong to him. You're beloved. You're dearly loved by God. You're his son. You're his daughter. You're part of the family. So we don't do these virtues. We don't practice these behaviors so that finally God will welcome us. Finally, God will accept us. Finally, God will make us his own. No, God's already made us his own. Now, because we're part of the family, how do we do life? How should we live? And so we always have to remember that the language in the New Testament for Christian living is live who you are. God has made you his son or his daughter. Now, let's learn how to live that out. And one of the key distinctives, the most important distinctives in so many ways of Life in God's family is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgive each other, he says. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you forgive each other. So forgive each other. Now, forgiveness, catch this, forgiveness does not mean, that's important, forgiveness does not mean excusing the wrong behavior. Right? It doesn't mean pretending like it's not a big deal or it didn't happen or it didn't hurt or we just excuse it and say, well, you know, poor Johnny, he's just had a rough little life. And right, and so we're just, you know, going to pretend like Johnny can't help himself and it's not that big of a deal. That's not what forgiveness means. We don't excuse it, we don't minimize it, we don't pretend like it didn't happen or it didn't really hurt, we don't pretend like it's a big deal. In fact, God himself knows better than anyone that the, the wrong and the hurt is a big deal and that it costs a lot to forgive, right? Like, doesn't God know that more than anyone else? For God, it cost 
him sending his own son and his son giving up his life for us. That's a massive cost because it's a massive big deal. And so we need to remember that when we forgive each other, it's not to say, well, we're just going to sweep it under the carpet and just kind of go our own way and pretend like it didn't happen, didn't hurt, like it's not a big deal. That's not what forgiveness means. Um, forgiveness, really, when we look at what God did and we look at what Jesus taught, forgiveness is a big deal. And forgiveness, really, really important, what I'm about to say, forgiveness is fundamentally forgiving a debt. It's forgiving or canceling a debt. In fact, this is the image that Jesus used multiple times, really, in his teaching. But one particular, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, Jesus is going to give some teaching on forgiveness, and he makes this really clear about this idea of canceling or forgiving a debt. Let me read it to you. Matthew 18, beginning in verse 21, it says this, Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times, and Peter thinks he's really being generous by saying up to seven times. Jesus' response is, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. In other words, if you want to talk about the number of times, let's just talk about seventy times times seven. And obviously those numbers are significant within the Jewish thought world. Seven number of completion. God compl created the whole world in seven days. Now we've got a multiple of 10, 70 times seven. So we're just talking about like as many times as it takes, you just keep forgiving. You keep giving grace. Well, that that's, that's a big offer. Well, then Jesus tells a story to help us understand what he's thinking of with regards to forgiveness. And the story goes like this, that there was a, a king, and he actually says, here's the kingdom of heaven. It's like this. There was a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. But when he began to settle them, uh, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. 10,000 talents, a talent was a massive amount of money in the ancient world. And so this one guy owed 10,000 talents. I mean, we're talking, you know, like millions and millions of dollars in today's currency. Um, and he was just unable to repay. I mean, how in the world are you going to pay that back? He didn't have the means to repay it. So his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment be made. Be made. So he's going to be sold off as a slave, going to be repaid. This is the imagery. This is part of their culture, right? Um, so the slave fell to the ground, uh, prostrated himself before the, the master saying, have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion for him and released him, and notice this, and forgave him the debt. In other words, said, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay it back. Millions and millions of dollars, right? Like 10,000 talents, 10,000, you know, like bags of gold currency in their, their culture. And he didn't have to pay it back. He forgave him the debt. Now, Jesus goes on in the story and says, that slave went out, found one of his fellow slaves who owed him just a hundred denarii. A hundred denarii is just like, still a lot of money. It's like a hundred, uh, you know, like a half, maybe a year's wage, right? So a half a year's earnings. He owed him that much, still a decent amount, but nowhere near 10,000 talents, not even close. And 
He seized him, began to choke him and shake him and say, pay what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and pleaded with him, have patience on me, I will repay you. And he was unwilling to uh, be patient and give him a chance to pay. He was unwilling to even forgive him the debt. And he actually threw him into prison until what he owed should be paid back. Um, well, the story goes on. There's a little bit more point there, right? Uh, but uh, in the long run, uh, what I want you to notice from this is this idea Jesus is teaching. He's answering Peter's question about forgiveness, and he's painted it as a picture of forgiving a debt. Um, and that is the fundamental idea of what it means to forgive our fellow brothers and our fellow sisters in Christ, is we forgive a debt. Um, that's what forgiveness is. So we choose not to make them pay. Well, if you're going to choose to forgive a debt, think about the guy in the story. When he cancels this slave's debt, 10,000 talents, and he cancels the debt, when that happens, does that mean no one has to pay? Well, no, it means that master is going to absorb the cost. He's out that money. He loses that money. So there's still a cost. Forgiveness is costly. It means we choose to absorb the cost. This is what Jesus is teaching. This is Jesus' way. And in fact, this is what Jesus did for us. Jesus absorbed the cost, right? Like we had a debt we could not repay, a debt with God way greater than 10,000 talents. And there was no way we could pay God back our debt because of our sin against him. What did God do? He canceled the debt. But that doesn't mean it didn't cost. He canceled the debt by paying the price himself, by absorbing the cost himself. That's what Jesus did for us. And that's what Jesus is calling us to do 70 times 7. He's calling us to do it for our brothers over and over again. It's the same thing Paul is calling us to do in Colossians chapter 3. Like, forgive each other, Paul says in Colossians 3. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, you have a complaint with someone, forgive them. Cancel that debt. Don't make them pay. Let it go. Give them grace. In fact, there in Colossians 3, verse 12, he says, Forgiving each other, catch this, just as the Lord Jesus forgave you. Just as the Lord Jesus forgave you. In other words, um, look at how Jesus forgave you. That's how you should forgive others. Like, just as, in the same way, with the same generosity, with the same glad-heartedness, with the same willingness, with the same self-sacrifice, right? Like, Jesus didn't begrudgingly forgave you. Jesus gladly forgave you. Jesus welcomed you to himself, granted grace, paid the price. You copy that pattern. You imitate that. Just as Jesus forgave you. Not only that, that means Jesus is also not just the pattern, he's the motivation for our forgiveness. Like, just as Jesus forgave you, you should do the same thing. It's the same motive really in the story. Just as your Lord, your Savior forgave you this massive debt, well, you should be willing to forgive others a small debt. That story that Jesus told, it's the same sort of thing. That's why the story ends the way it does. That's why the master calls uh, that servant back and is like, 
I forgave a massive debt and you weren't willing to forgive a small debt? Come on, come on, come on, right? Like, just as. And so uh, the motivation for our forgiveness is what Jesus did for us. And so you forgive each other just as Jesus forgave you. And so in Jesus' family, part of the thing we're learning to do is we're learning to be people of grace. And we forgive each other. Here's what this means for us in Jesus' family. It means we don't hold grudges. We don't hold grudges. We don't keep accounts. We don't keep a record of wrong. We, we don't have like a file cabinet of all the things that people did. We shred those files. We cancel those debts. We forgive people. And we just don't have a record of wrong. We don't have all the ways people have wronged us stored up. And we're constantly reviewing that and recalling that. We've canceled those debt, debts. We don't hold grudges. It means in Jesus' family that we give people grace and space to learn and grow and be different from us. Like Jesus' family is this, this multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multi-generational uh, uh, group of people from all different backgrounds. Like some people grew up with the knowledge of Jesus and the knowledge of God's word. And some people are brand new to Jesus' family and they didn't grow up with that until we're all from different backgrounds and we all come carrying different baggage or different kinds of baggage, or different amounts of baggage. We all have different cultural expectations and experiences. And so in Jesus' family, we're marked by grace and we're marked by space to learn and grow and be different. And so somebody has different issues than us and they have different struggles. And as a result, they wound us. They hurt us in Jesus' family. And we're not going to hold a grudge. We're going to cancel that debt. We're going to love them anyhow. We're going to stick with them and we're going to forgive them. And we're going to do it how many times? Well, Jesus said to Peter, 70 times 7. In other words, an inexhaustible amount. That was Jesus' point, an inexhaustible amount. Um, in Jesus' family, it's safe, therefore, to admit our faults and to apologize. Why? Because grace and forgiveness is the expectation and is the norm. It's just what we do in Jesus' family. And that means if I all of a sudden realize, oh, wow, I think I hurt you, then it's safe for me to come to you and say, I'm sorry. I, I, I just like just really hit me that I think what I said was hurtful and I didn't mean it to be, or maybe I did, right? Like, and, and I'm now, you know, realizing, man, that was just wrong. And I'm really sorry. Will you please forgive me? And we can say that, and it's safe to say that without fear of retaliation or without fear of insult or without fear of like reprisal or just being cut off. And we're not going to keep circulating all the hurt and blame and the sin and the wrongdoing. We're just not going to do that. Instead, we're going to take all that out of circulation and we're going to do that by canceling debts and forgiving each other. So when I come and I apologize and I own my stuff and I say, I'm sorry, you don't just blow me off or write me off. And I say, will you forgive me? You say, you bet I will. And it's gone. You've canceled that debt. I don't owe you anything anymore. And grace reigns. Forgiveness reigns. In Jesus' family, we're constantly giving grace. And we're constantly receiving grace. So that the entire climate of the family is grace and forgiveness. That's what Jesus expects for his family. And my friends, that is incredibly, incredibly unique. That's just not the way society around us does it. That's not even the way other religions do it. 
That is the way of Jesus. And Jesus didn't just tell us to do it. Jesus walked that road for us, for you and for me. And so when Jesus says, forgive each other, 70 times 7, when the Apostle Paul says, forgive each other just as Jesus forgave you, right? Like, that's the pattern. That's the motivation. He's calling us to imitate him. And within his family, grace and forgiveness reigns. It started with God's grace and God's forgiveness of us. And we just share that gift now within the family. And it's what marks us out. That is God's way for us as his family. Forgive each other just as Jesus forgave you. Wouldn't it be great to be part of a family, God's new family, where grace reigns supreme? Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the podcast. I pray it was helpful to you. And thanks to all of you who support this ministry and make it possible. Your gifts are making a difference in the lives of so many people all around the world. So thanks a ton. God bless each and every one of you. And I look forward to talking to you again soon.